Yeah. I got a free night. It's like, ah, get out of here. Like, I don't want you anymore. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and I will start with the intro. All right. Cool, cool. Hello, everybody, and thank you for coming out to tonight's episode of Terrific Talk. We are at episode 25, if you can believe that. Uh, quite a while. And it's been quite a while since I have had this guest on. His name is Nicky D, and he is a horror fan, and especially a fan of paranormal horror, which we will be talking about this evening. So welcome, Nikki D. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me on again as a guest. I'm really excited to talk about this topic, as, <laughs> as you just explained. <laughs> yep, you can even see it on his face if you're watching this like on video. If you have it on audio, then you can't really see it, but you should see he's like, he's all giddy about it. Oh, Goddess Vi, uh, thank you for the host. I'm ready to get spooky. Me too. Let's just go ahead and we can jump right into it. So let's start off with introduce yourself, uh, which I had you do last time, but that was a bazillion mm -hmm. episodes ago. So you're going to get to introduce yourself again. Uh, say who you are, what kind of uh, content, horror content mm -hmm. especially, you like to create. And what is it about paranormal horror that makes you get all giddy? <laughs> uh, well, my name is Nikki D. Uh, most people just call me Nick, and I'm a variety streamer on Twitch. Uh, I have been for the past about five years now, and um, while I'm a variety streamer, one of the things I love to dabble in is streaming horror games, um, particularly paranormal-themed horror games, and, you know, paranormal mo horror movies are some of my favorite horror movies out there. And w what gets me just excited about the subgenre is just the mystical and just almost unlimited potential of the genre. I mean, it's paranormal is interchangeable with supernatural. And that's something that like you can't like grab onto. It's not tangible. You can't, you know, necessarily control it. Like if with um, slasher movies, if it's um, just a plain old human home invasion, you can kill the slasher, like you can kill the um, attackers. You can't necessarily kill a demon. You can't kill a ghost, you know? So the fact that, that's there like that inability to kill or end the disturbance is fascinating to me as is all the different themes and almost life lessons that are imbued in different folklore and paranormal horror movies and horror uh, horror stories i i'm glad to hear also in that description you said that you consider supernatural and paranormal almost like the yep. exact same thing whereas some mm -hmm. people they're just like no, uh, paranormal is different than supernatural because paranormal is more about the ghosts and the demons, you know, like the exorcisms, whereas supernatural is just things that can't be explained and that just is outside of our control. But I'm just like, well, doesn't that mean the I'm, exact same thing? Yeah, it's one and the same, basically. Like, that, that's the thing. You can't say that one is different from the other. They're essentially the same. Um, paranormal does tend to focus more on ghosts and demons, yeah, but I mean, you can talk about witches as being paranormal, you know, I mean, most people wouldn't think of witches necessarily in the same vein of ghosts, but they are, you know, especially if you look at, like, uh, old, uh, western interpretations of what a witch is, where it's basically a worshiper of the devil, which is, you know, not to offend any Wiccan practitioners out there, like, that, that is just the superstitious view of what witches are, so, I mean, technically... You know, that one movie, The Witch, is a paranormal horror film. Yeah, most people wouldn't uh, consider it that. They would just be like, oh, it's just folk horror. 
But, like, yes, mm-hmm. it is folk horror. It deals, like, with the old, like you said, superstitions, the paranormal aspects, those very real fears that people had back then of witches and witchcraft. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's just very... Like, it, it, you're basically... A witch, for example, is more like an agent of a demon, right? Or an agent of the devil or just playing with the supernatural. You know, so why shouldn't that be included? Right, uh, yeah. I, I, I agree. I tend to use paranormal and supernatural interchangeably. So mm-hmm. speaking of paranormal or supernatural or whatever you all want to call it out there, when you think of a film in this subgenre, a paranormal or supernatural film, what comes to mind? So like what kinds of characteristics does a paranormal film have? What kinds of char- characteristics does a supernatural film have? Just like so... What makes a paranormal film paranormal for you? So, ignoring the obvious answer of when I think of a paranormal paranormal movie, what do I think of paranormal activity? Um, A paranormal movie for me, um, it's often not so much about the ghost and the demons, really. It's more about what message the ghost and the demon is conveying. So, um, if you look at J-horror, for example, so like The Ring, The Grudge... Um, a lot of those movies deal with a vengeful spirit or a curse, um, a cursed spirit. And that's just the nature of, you know, something so evil was done that it has since tainted a re- like an area with its negative activity. So it's basically life lesson of don't be a horrible person. You know, don't intrude on other people. Um, if you look at uh, movies like The Witch or um, Ninth Gate, for example, uh, which isn't even really a scary movie. It just deals with horror themes. You know, the, the lesson is don't go seeking for easy power or easy wealth because, you know, it will come back to bite you. Um, so for me, it's more so about using things that we can't really grasp or understand. You know, the idea of a coincidence, you know, that bump that we hear in the house when no one's home. Um, you know, that weird cold spot. And... It extrapolates on that and basically teaches you a life lesson using, you know, the creepiness that of things that we can't perceive with our own five senses. Right. It's most people when they think of paranormal is just like you said, the obvious paranormal activity, things mm-hmm. like you know, with falling poltergeists or and especially exorcism movies. I kinda mentioned oh, yeah. before, like this all started, just like I'm not really I think exorcism has kind of been done to death. What are your thoughts on that? Um, for the most part, mm-hmm. yes. Um, like, there, for the most part, yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at, you know, the Exorcism movies, I mean, they had, what, four of those, one of which was released in two separate versions, which was really weird. <laughs> um, you know, so there's that, you know, you have The Devil Inside, um, just like so many different Exorcism horror films. The only one that I can really think of that was innovative was a movie with, um, Oh, what is his name? The guy who was from the first Hulk movie. Um, he was, uh, it's called Del- Delivers from Evil. And he plays a New York City police officer. And he partners with a uh, Catholic priest and they do an exorcism. And that's, it was fascinating because one, it's based off a true story. Um, the police detective actually does exist. And uh, what's really cool about it is that it, doesn't really deal with the whole idea of like, oh, this is just a demon and it's mystical or whatever. It basically is like, you know, tapping into the idea of vengeance versus justice. 
um, you know, what is a demon? You know, here's someone who is skeptical. How are you going to like, you know, but they end up doing an exorcism towards the end, you know, participating in one like that transition of not believing to believing that was really unique. But for the most part, yeah, it's basically, you know, you bring the priest in, they do their Roman rites and then you're done. And that's that's your exorcist horror film. Yep. Pretty much also with uh, haunted houses that could be considered part of the paranormal uh, yep. genre. The, that to me has also kind of been done to death. Like, ooh, look at this house. It's got some kind mm-hmm. of evil spirit. Let's exercise it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. No, like- sorry, I didn't take a break or take a uh, drink. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like it has been mm-hmm. done to death, in the most part. Um, that's why I really like the. Yeah, I mean, not all the paranormal activity movies were good, but the first one that was really nice about it is that um, it didn't have that, you know, like it was, you know, you'd had no idea what was going on. You never saw the ghost. Um, you only heard it or saw like its effects. And then when they brought the, you know, the um, paranormal investigator or the, um, the priest in there, he was like, I can't do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> bye. And, it, and that was cool. Like it basically, it showed, you know, that priests aren't like these all powerful um, you know, people that all these other exorcist horror films show them to be. Ah, yes. I, I like it. I, I like to like exorcism movies a lot more just whenever, like you said, like in The Exorcist, which is like, to mm-hmm. me, is like the premiere, just like exorcism movie and kind of oh, yeah. like maybe like where it all began. Just like these priests were just like, well, what? What the hell is this? I think it even ended up taking like two priests so I get yep. this demon like out of that girl. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, that was a really good example. Mm. I think the other like very good and not discussed enough exorcism horror movie is the uh, last es- la- the last exorcism. Okay. Which that was fascinating for me because um, it delves into the idea of an exorcist just losing his faith. You know, the entire beginning premise of the movie is he's a Louisiana preacher who's like. Hey, look, one, like one of the funniest parts of that movie is when he's like, oh, I can uh, do um, part of my sermon is a banana bread recipe. People are going to say amen. Sure enough, he does not People are like, amen, hallelujah. And he's like, <laughs> and, and it's a found footage movie. So they're straight up, they're um, filming it too. And he's like, ah, see, gotcha. Told you I could do it. But then he picks a letter um, and goes to this bayou out in, you know, the sticks of Louisiana and starts to realize, oh, you know, maybe maybe things are actually re- more real than I gave gave them credit for, you know? And what is the name of that movie? Uh, the Last Exorcism. The Last Exorcism. Anytime I hear, whoops, anytime I hear things that sound interesting to me, I write them down, check them out. Especially if it's like a things that are a new take on a specific genre of something that has been done to death. So, like, Oh yeah, no, it- it's really, it's a very well done movie. All right. And speaking of movies, um, I would try to think like way, way back to like the first movie I re- I can remember that deals mm-hmm. that I saw that deals with the paranormal. Funnily enough, it was Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's like, it's technically, it's a fun kind of, I guess, if you want to call it just like a horror movie, but it dealt with the paranormal and ghosts oh, yeah. and exorcism, not I guess no, not really exorcisms, but it was just a fun movie yeah, no, for me. Not really. So, oh yeah, I mean, and even the beginning of that is you know still a little bit scary too, because I mean, when you have the library ghost, no one expected that. When you have you know, um, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, um, 
uh, whoever played Egon and Bla- uh, Harold Ramis. You know, you have the Saturday Saturday Night Live, you know, comedians. Who would have ever thought there would be a scary moment in one of their movies? That beginning scene was terrifying. And the ending, I won't, uh, I won't spoil because I'm nice. If you haven't seen Ghostbusters, yeah. like you should. We're talking about the one in 1984. The ending yep. scene was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, exactly. That was my first movie that I saw that dealt with like paranormalized stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you remember yours? Yes. So um, I don't remember which of these three was the first one I saw. They were all pretty much like, they're all hazy memories from my childhood. One of the which more prominent than the others um but my the first three that i can remember was the old uh house on haunted hill with vincent price uh the haunting of hill house and which the old black and white one and then uh poltergeist and those all three of those scared the bejesus out of me um house on haunted hill with vincent price there's a scene where he turns around and the caretaker's there and the makeup on this caretaker is hilarious because, like, I mean, when I say hilarious, I mean, like, hilariously well done because they make her look like this gaunt corpse, you know? So that scares you. I mean, when you're, like, three, four-year-old kid, you know, and you see that, and it's a black-and-white movie from the, you know, I think the 30s, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember when it exactly came out. But you see that, that terrifies you. And as, a like, a paranormal movie, it really doesn't deal with the paranormal until the very end, and that even then, that's only a mention. But it's still, a, like the premise of the paranormal is still there. The haunting at Hill House, um, there are a couple scenes in there as a kid, you know, it scares you. Like, it scares the bejesus out of you. Um, but then Poltergeist, for me, um, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen the movie, but, you know, Steven Spielberg, you know, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, E.T., you never would have thought he would have made this. Terrifying movie is when um, the power goes out and the guy's just exploring the house um, trying to get some food. Like, literally, he just, he's like, you know, it's midnight, I want to get a snack. And he gets a snack, and things just go off the rails. And as a kid, you see that scene, it terrifies you. And, I mean, I, I love it. I, I think that's probably the best example of Steven Spielberg's um, breath as a director, that he can do something like E.T. and then do uh, Poltergeist, and they're both really good. And one is really bright. The other one is really dark and terrifying. Yeah. And also, unrelated to the paranormal, people tend to forget that Steven Spielberg also directed Jaws, which is a creature feature kind of horror film. And that kind of amazes me, too. It's like, wow, at 23, like he was 23 whenever he directed that. It's just like so. Yep. Yeah, so Spielberg, yeah, like you, amazes me like with his depth and his ability to just like cover all sorts of genres and those movies that have ended up being um, horror films of his i've really liked oh yeah just a quick note about poltergeist yeah. um it actually wasn't directed by him it was actually directed by toby hooper um oh. and this was, after, this was after the texas chainsaw massacre and the reason why is because of e because et was being filmed by spielberg there was a clause in his contract that he couldn't actually do another movie at the same time, but he really wanted to do Poltergeist. He's like, no, no, I'm going to basically have my entire, you know, all my hands all over this. Um, hmm. And he's like, okay, let me get Toby Hooper, because I like Tex Ch- Chainsaw Massacre, and basically kind of controlled Toby Hooper the entire time. So even though even though Spielberg didn't direct it, he essentially did, because he told Toby exactly what to do as a producer. And there's actually one scene 
um, where you'll notice the like I'm not going to spoil what happens, but like there's a scene that involves hands, and if you mm-hmm. watch the hands in that scene, um, the hands are at a really awkward angle, mm-hmm. and actually it's not even the actor's hands; it's Spielberg literally up underneath um, this piece of furniture that you can't see and using his own hands uh, to do the thing. And it's just the funniest thing because he didn't want, like, no one else could get the exact angle right as to what he wanted to do. So he's like, no, no, I'm just going to do this and gets in. And you just see, like, the hands are, like, a weird angle. And it's like, it's clearly someone else's hands. I I didn't know that fact about Poltergeist. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah. That he actually, he directed it, I guess, quote, directed, Mm -hmm. but not actually directed that paranormal film. And so speaking of the paranormal, um, let's kind of veer off, I guess, from films and then kind of talk about paranormal experiences, like actual, like, because I don't know if you're a believer in the paranormal. Um, I am. I'm a bit of a skeptic. Like, I will admit, but I always like to try and keep an open mind. I don't discount people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they believe in the paranormal, you know, hey, I'm more than willing to, like, listen to their points of view and their experiences. So, talk about, like, a few, like, if you have under your belt, memorable mm-hmm. paranormal experiences that really so, paranormal. So, for me, um, they're all, they've all happened um, in the second house that my family lived in. And um, one of them... So there were a couple that didn't happen to me. They happened happened to my parents. Um, my parents were sleeping one night, and I was down at college, and so I heard about this the next day. Um, they wake up and they see there's like a light down the hall, right? And so my dad gets up and goes over, and he sees there's a light underneath the door that's actually next to my uh, next to my room, and he's like, "What's going on?" So he has a baseball bat in his hand, and he just throws open the door, and the only thing that's there is the TV's on. You know, no one else is in this house other than my mom, my dad, our then our two cats and our dog. Like no one else is there. <laughs> so <laughs> there's nothing that could have caused this TV to turn on. Um, you know, I mean, there is the the scientific explanation is that um, there was radio interference or like an IR interference that caused the TV to turn on. That's possible. But like, it's still really creepy when the, <laughs> the television just is on in the middle of the night and the only people in this house are you and your wife. And so it's just like, what was that? Um, but for me, the uh, paranormal experience was same house. And um, I, I think it was either home from grad school or from uh, college. I can't remember. But um, I was sleeping and um, I actually woke myself up by talking in my sleep. And I just kind of look over to my right um, towards the door to the hallway. Doors closed. And there's this person standing there, like this, there's a, sh- a silhouette, like right next to me. I mean, maybe two feet from my face. And I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone f- would feel the same way. If you have something like someone two feet from your face when you wake up, you would freak out. But for some reason, I didn't feel any terror or shock or anything like that. Just very calm, like a very calming presence, which was really bizarre. Um, and I kind of look at it and blink a few times. Still there. Blink some more. Still there. Keep blinking and, you know, keep blinking. Finally, eventually, the figure disappears. And I was like, okay, cool. And I go back to sleep. Very chill. Next morning, I wake up and, you know, remembering what the figure looked like. It looked a little bit like my mom. And I was like, were you sleepwalking, sitting at the foot of my bed, or sitting next to my bed last night? And she's like, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Why? What happened? And I told her what happened. And she's like, wow, that's crazy. 
You know, like that's really where my mom also believes in supernatural and in ghosts. So um, I was thinking more about it throughout the day and I knew it wasn't like, and there were a couple details that I remember from it. One, there was this weird like backlighting from the floor up that was like a white, whitish blue light illuminating the back of the person. So I could see that they were there. Like it wasn't like me matrixing or my brain misinterpreting a shape. There was no person shaped thing that I could misinterpret that as against the door. So there was that. But then I remembered, you know, the look of the person and like the pajamas they were wearing because they were wearing pajamas. Um, there, there were striped pajamas. Um, the person had curly hair and I could make out the body. But when it got to the face, the face was dark. Like it was just black. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, wait a minute. This looks a lot like my like that looked a lot like my grandmother who passed away in the house from lung cancer back when I was nine. And the more I thought about it, the more I was remembering it. I'm like, this is exactly my grandmother. Like it was straight up my grandmother. There is no other way to explain it. And like the the attire that she had um, was a pair of pajamas that she wore. Um, the hairstyle was her hairstyle. Even the body shape was hers. It was really crazy. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, that's probably why I didn't feel any shock or you know fear when it happened because my grandmother. You know, I loved my grandmother. We had a great relationship. Wow, just listening to those experiences is like it's good that they were both uh, positive, right? Like, yeah, at least and like because I've read like accounts of some people like having these kinds of experiences and they're just like <laughs> they were creepy and scary and I felt the goat like the spirit felt malevolent and it's just like or but like. Yeah, benevolent. I didn't yeah. want to say, like, benevolent. That's the wrong word. Like, <laughs> yeah, benevolent spirits. But benevolent, I guess, is good in your case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was just, it was, um, it was very, uh, it was very weird. I'll tell you that. Like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't scary, but it was weird. I mean, I've had some strange things that creep me out. Like, one time, like, I mean, from sleepwalking, right? But, like, for actual just, like, bona fide, I would bet money paranormal experience. Those were the two that I had, or at least that I know of. Okay. Um, I haven't had, like I said, I'm kind of a skeptic. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, hmm. But I, there have been some, like, I guess strange, I guess, like, things happen. The strangest thing that I guess I had happened is that my grandma had passed away, like, also mm -hmm. of lung cancer in our house whenever I, it was, jeez, it was almost, I think, uh, 10 years ago. At the time, oh, man. man. But, um, and it was Missouri winters are very cold. And, like, <laughs> of course, nothing blooms. Um, everything's frozen over. But, and it was still, like, really cold in February, like, two weeks later. And we had mm -hmm. noticed that just there was this one, like, flower that just, like, bloomed. Just, like, right in the middle, just, like, dead winter when nothing else grew. And I strongly believe, I don't believe in paranormal, I, I guess I'm skeptical of paranormal experiences, but I believe that was some kind of sign, like, from my grandmother. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's very possible. Yeah, I definitely like believe in signs and things of that nature. Right. Yeah. So speaking of uh, also the paranormal, what do you think people's fascination with uh, para not just um, the paranormal, but with paranormal films? Are? Um. Well, I mean, well, with paranormal films, I mean, it's the same thing with most horror films. I mean, it's like it's a roller coaster effect. You know, you want to be scared, but you don't want to be in actual danger. So, you know, you want to get that adrenaline rush of, like, you know, being scared, having a jump scare, but you don't want to actually, you know, have, like, 
Satan popping up down the hall <laughs> for you. Like, no, nope. like, you don't actually want that. You, you want to be scared by it, but you don't want to actually have to deal right. with it. Right. Because that's just not good. Um, so that's why people, I feel like they like the films. But um, people's fascination with the paranormal itself is, I think it's a mixture of two things. Um, if it's a paranormal because, you know, you're thinking of loved ones or people that have passed on, it's largely because you don't want to, you know, you're not ready to say goodbye. You're not ready to accept the fact that they're dead. So, I mean, if you can have like an afterglow or a, uh, you know, after image of them, you know, when they died as a haunting, then that's going to reassure a lot of people. But I think the bigger thing is more so that people just, you know, we as a species can't just accept that there might not be anything after death. Um, you know, you see it with religion where, you know, with Christianity, for example, you have the concept of heaven and hell, you know, ignoring the, you know, moral implications of that. Just the fact that those two things exist is a way to show that, oh, there is something after death. And it's a reassurance because, you know, we can't conceptualize what happens when we die as a species because, you know, no one's going to come back and tell us what it's like because that's that's kind of the point of death. No one comes back. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like... <laughs> When, um, you know, when, because like, I mean, I'll challenge you right now. Think about, you know, you're dead. Okay. What do you think about? You can't, you know, it's like, do you, you, do you imagine that you're lying in a coffin? Well, you can't perceive that you're in the coffin because you're dead. You know, you can't think about it. So you can't imagine what it's like because there's nothing that we can really, you can't use your senses to imagine not having your senses, basically. So we don't want to believe that there's nothing there. After death, so the like the idea of the paranormal is basically something that I feel that partially exists in truth in the idea of you know paranormal experiences like what I've had, and also it exists as a societal um, creation to make sure that you know you don't have to worry about not having anything after we die. Okay, that's actually kind of like what I was thinking, just like we want as humans to believe that there is some other plane of existence like yeah. after death like whether it's a complete like just limbo or we're all just wandering around whether it's um heaven whether it's hell whether it's just complete nirvana like in like yep. other religions so i i would definitely agree that's why uh what fascinates people so much about the paranormal i had a thought another thought but then like i lost it there are like there there's like some people I've been reading like some of the paranormal experiences that people have been saying that they have been having in chat just very fascinating. Um, oh yeah, I've had a few friends that have told me stuff and it's just it's wild like they, what yeah. they've gone through. Yeah, uh, Infinite Hope says that he met two ghosts on the beach. There's this one uh, dinghy in the water uh, tethered to nothing. When we look back at the people, they were gone, and so was the dinghy. Oh, that would freak me out. That, I, feel like, that would, I would just be like, okay. We're going home. Get in the car, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm good. I don't need to be at the beach anymore. And then Felix said the town that uh, he grew up in had a lot of spirits that would mimic living people. My earliest memory of experiencing something paranormal is seeing my mom walk out in the morning expressionless. I said hello. She didn't reply, and a wave of dread came over me. I ran to my parents' room. Both of them were still asleep in bed. I was four during that one. Oh. That actually reminds me of a paranormal experience that I had. I totally forgot about this one. Um, when I was a kid, well, I say kid, I was in uh, middle school at the time. Um, I had one of those lofted beds. You know, it's not quite a bunk bed, but it's, you know, a decent bit off the floor. Um, right next to it was a wall-mounted metal, like, um, adjustable reading lamp. And one night I'm lying in bed 
wake up in the middle of the night, as you do, and I'm just lying there with my eyes closed trying to fall asleep, when I start hearing, like, I, it, this noise, there's no other way to describe it, and it sounds like a scratching noise, and it sounds like it's right in the room, and it's terrifying, like, I'm just like, where? why is there a scratching noise, only a scratching noise in my room? Nope! So, <laughs> so I'm just, like, lying there motionless, just like, oh my god. So finally, I'm just like, Nick, you gotta get out of this room. And so I jump off the bed. Like, I mean, it was basically going from a, you know, lying on your back to straight up just on the, like, leaping off the end of the bed. You know, could never do that again. But um, did that sprint over to the bathroom. Fun fact, my mom was in the bathroom actually getting a drink of water. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, I, I told her and she's like, that's weird. Shirt's gone, whatever it was. Just go back, you know, go back to your room. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, sure. And so I did. Um, next morning I woke up and I was like, okay, what the hell was that? And I'm looking around trying to figure out what could make that noise because it was a very distinct noise. And then um, I just moved the reading lamp just because I, I think I was just moving out of the way. And when I did, my fingernails just like, you know, brush up against it. And I was like, no way. Straight up was able to recreate the noise with just rubbing my fingernails on the uh on the metal like the metal um enclosure of the reading lamp and it was straight up was like the reason i used the word scratching was because here i'll use my water bottle as an example straight up it was like this Jeez. it was just like that i was able to recreate it just by doing that mode so yeah that was that was probably the scariest thing i've actually ever had happen to me oh yeah nope i thought that's why i'd be like absolutely not <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Lonesome Poets saying, I think the creepiest paranormal experience I've ever had was when I visit visited the battlefield at Shiloh. I got chills down my spine. I don't know if it was my ancestor who died there haunting me or what, but it creeped me out. Well, so th that, that right there is um, one of the biggest reasons that people believe in the paranormal or think that at least paranormal or spirits do exist is because, um, you know, based on this pure physics argument, you know, energy energy doesn't get destroyed. You know, right. conservation of energy, it just gets repurposed. So, you know, when you have a lot of energy expended somewhere, like in Shiloh, I mean, a lot of negative and terrified energy because of people killing each other, people not wanting to die, and it's extremely bloody battle. You know, that energy's not going to just evaporate out of nowhere. It's going to stay there. So, you know, does that energy take the form of, you know, a ghost, like what we consider to be a ghost? Does it just, does the energy of that anger and that hate and that fear just exist as like a palpable cloud, for lack of a better term, of hate and anger and fear? I don't know. But, you know, that's the biggest, one of the biggest arguments in favor of spirits is that that energy that we have in our bodies doesn't die. Like it's still there because that's the nature of energy from a physics standpoint. That scientifically, I guess, like that would make sense. And I don't know really. I know there is like paranormal research, but yes. I don't know like the specifics behind that at all. Like what they do. I know they like measure for like energies and like mm -hmm. they record like a uh, white noise because they figure like some voices can like or others like voices from another plane can like come through that. I don't really yeah. know like the nature of like what all they study. Um, in para like paranormal investigations. Is that a kind of thing that interests you? 
Um, a little bit. I remember actually when I was in high school, it really like you know. I mean, I loved all those Ghost Hunter shows. I mean, I yeah. still watch Ghost Adventures, you know, um, as a thing to pass the time. But like for me, I mean, I think paranormal, you know, research is real. I mean, I believe in the paranormal, but at the same time, I will fully accept if we scientifically prove that it doesn't exist. And I think that paranormal research is honestly just a very amateur and cutting edge way for us to try to perceive you know what these things that we can't perceive otherwise are you know i mean science always like if you look at every field of science it's always started out as kind of like you know a i don't want to say backwoods but like a very like amateurish profession i mean chemistry what we consider chemistry now used to be called alchemy and you know used to have the idea of turning you know base metals into gold like you can't do that that's not no, how that works no but like that was that was the concept back then you know i mean biology used to be considered to be witchcraft in all honesty yeah we didn't even know about um you know what dna looked like until the 50s so you know is paranormal research necessarily going to prove that ghosts exist i don't know but i think that you know the way that physics works is that we keep discovering particles and things that we can't perceive you know at, we couldn't perceive a few years ago even but now we can using these certain instruments. So maybe through some weird existence of technology, we're able to perceive these things that we can't otherwise perceive. I don't know. I mean, is there a reason why, you know, we lose, you lose a, you use a thermal camera in these paranormal shows and you like in real time see the temperature of a door go from cold to warm? I don't know. I mean, there's some kind of weird natural phenomena there. Maybe it's ghosts. Maybe it's just some kind of weird natural energy. Who knows? But I think paranormal research is really just more of like, you know, a cutting edge use of things to perceive things that we can't perceive. I know I just said perceiving things like 30 different times. Yeah, like we perceive the things that we can't perceive and we perceive. Exactly, <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> Those guys... Ghost Adventures is so fun. Those guys are so ridiculous. Hee <laughs> hee. Oh, oh, no, they, they are. Like, they're absolutely hilarious. Like, I love this show. And I haven't, I haven't seen it myself because you know, sometimes it seems like it's just like, you know, they over-exaggerate things on those shows a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm just oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if it was like, if it was a paranormal research show that took a more serious take on it, I might want to watch it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any yeah, of those that, exist. That's what, <laughs> that's what, what uh, Ghost Hunters was. Ghost Hunters on sci-fi with uh, those guys who, uh, from the Atlantic Paranormal, Paranormal Society, like they handle it in much more in a... Uh, in a uh, serious way because they actually do it as their job like they have an office in um oh god where is it somewhere in rhode island actually man those would be fun people um as paranormal researchers in general just to try to sit down and just like pick their brains and go ask them like why they do what they do and oh yeah exactly like, yeah that would that would definitely make for like an interesting conversation at least yeah for sure that, that'd be like really just hilarious to have that conversation with yeah, absolutely. I uh, agree with you there. Uh, but speaking of, let's kind of like veer back into films a little bit. We talked a lot of us about para like paranormal, like actual like paranormal and paranormal mm -hmm. experiences. But now let's get to talking about um, characters that we like in films. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if you like exorcism films, maybe one of your favorite characters is a demon. I don't know. I'm, and I'm going to be like, hey, cool, you do you. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Uh, favorite kinds of characters, like from paranormal films, are there any that kind of stand out like to you? Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, so with unlike slashers, 
you know, with slasher movies, you know, you have the identity of the killer. So, like, you know, you have Freddy Krueger, you have Mike Myers, you have Jason Voorhees. Um, with paranormal movies, that's fewer and far between. So, you don't, like, I mean, paranormal activity, it's it's the entity. Like, it doesn't have a name. You know, you don't even see it. You know, you see the possessions that it has on people, but you don't really see the thing. So, you can't really call it something. Um Exorcist has Pizazu, which is a real demon. Um, Hereditary involves themes related to a actual demon. Um, and then, you know, you have some J-horror things like, you know, Sadako and Kayako from The Ring and The Grudge, respectively. But really, um, with... Yeah, Paimon, that's what it was. Um, but when it comes to, uh, like, paranormal movies, you really just more have the family or the main character. And then you have... The ghost, like it, they're nameless entities for the most part, unless you have like the Conjuring films, then it's Ed and, Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> ah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Lorraine Warren, I think, passed away like quite like recently. Yeah, it was I either remember. like it was either last week or the week before, yeah. Yeah, and people were just like, oh my god, let me see if I could contact her spirit. I was just like, are you serious, guys? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like, look, we get it, you know, you don't believe it, and that's fine if you don't want to believe it, but like. This person did just die. Like, have some, you know, have some respect. Yeah, like, be a little bit dignified. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, I know a lot may be kind of a stretch, like, for you people, like, at this point, but at least kind of be, like, a little bit dignified. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Respect that someone did pass away. Yeah. Uh, okay, speaking of, like, those things like The Exorcist, I actually did... It's, I've only seen it once, and it's been such a long time ago, but I do remember really liking the two priests. I know one was played by Max von Sydow, and mm -hmm. I don't remember who the other one was played by. I just, like, I recognized his face. That's a really, yeah. I, that's pretty all it, but I thought that they were cool because, like, all the shit they had to deal with, and what was it? I think, if I remember right, did one have a heart attack? Like yep, that was actually, uh, that was Max von Sydow's character, actually. Yeah. It's like, I felt, like, so bad for him. It was just like, <laughs> like, yeah, they they went through some shit. Like, one ended up, like, you know, kicking the bucket, and then the other one ended up coming out of it. Okay, yep. I, I think. But, um... Uh, no, that... they, but they, they both die. Oh, 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 they do. Like, wow, I need to, like, watch that again, because, like... <laughs> well, so it's funny, like, I live in D.C., that movie takes place in D.C., um, the Georgetown Steps is actually where that final scene takes place. Um, it's a huge landmark. Like, well, I mean, huge is a strong word, but it's a very popular tourist landmark for horror fans is to go to the Georgetown Steps where, you know, the final scene happens. Oh, okay. And I don't know. It's a good thing that's more of like a public kind of landmark. I would hate it mm -hmm. if it was like a private thing, like say in um, the Amityville Horror that oh, like God, really iconic yeah. house where people would just keep wanting to visit, take pictures, so I'd be like, "Get out of my front yard!" Or like, "Oh yeah, no, I would be so pissed if I was the person that owned that house." She actually ended up changing the uh, windows, like you know those iconic windows mm -hmm. that look like eyes. She changed them because um, she wanted to hide the fact that she owned that house. Like that's what the house was. So she did that, and actually visits stopped happening a ton because people just couldn't find the house. <laughs> I don't know, like, if I was also, like, you could take the other, like, tactic and be, like, business-like and turn it to, like, a business venture and just start charging people. Like, the, yeah, but like, can you imagine? It's like, it's like you're giving a tour and then it's like your husband comes out of the bathroom and it's like, uh, honey, I said no tours today. 
<laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be a little bit weird. <laughs> I think another, um, and another like type of character that I really like is most people wouldn't consider this film um, paranormal or just like supernatural, like I definitely do, is uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie, which was made in 1976. Yes, and yes 100% and, paranormal. And of course, uh, Carrie it is played by Sissy Spacek. Yep. And of course, uh, Carrie is based off of the Stephen King novel of mm -hmm. the same name. But to me, Sissy Spacek just absolutely nailed both like the shy kind of meek like bully Carrie but then at the end just that switch is just flipped and she's like that's it and she releases telekinetic yep. hell on everybody just, oh it's a like, great movie yeah. like I mean as someone like yeah. for people that are bullied that movie is like mm -hmm. like it's cathartic first of all I'm pretty sure no one like I'm not saying you know if you're bullied you should kill everyone right. in a telekinetic right. blaze of flame in the gym on prom night don't do that <laughs> yeah but like <laughs> Um, you know, it, I mean, it is like if you if you're bullied in school at all, like you see that scene, you're just like, finally, you know. But like, it, no, she does she does it very well, and it's, it, it um one of the themes of that movie that's great is just the idea of you know expression, you know, being repressed and then being able to express yourself, and she does in a very huge way. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I would say so. Uh, I like that version a lot better than the Tita one made in 2013. Yeah. I thought mm -hmm. that um, Chloe Grace Moretz did okay as Carrie. Some parts of it like were based more off of the book, which I thought that was fine. Because I remember they had the trial scene in yep. that movie, um, and that was in the 76 one. But it was in the 2013 version. But yeah, the one in 76 will always be my number one for me. Yeah, it's, it's just it's one of those movies that you know you don't need to remake. Because, mm -mm. um, mm -mm. like, I mean, if if you do, like, you better hit it out of the park. Otherwise, it's not going to be good. Um, you know, another one is, like, you know, you talk about remakes, Poltergeist, when that got remade in 2015. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a bad movie. Like, it was it was, it was okay. It, like, it was thoroughly okay. But, like, it didn't need to happen. Like, no one, mm -hmm. like, it didn't, it, all it did was basically just um, <laughs> add in modern technology into the movie and I'm like, why is this here? Like, why does this exist? The first one's fine. Watch it. It's still creepy. Yeah. They're remaking Poltergeist again. I saw that. I'm I am <laughs> I am quietly judging it. <laughs> I was just like I was quietly judging the one in like twenty fifteen, I think is that yep. one that came out. It's like, you don't need to that one wasn't done really bad like in theaters, especially if they feel like they have oh, yeah. to remake it again. Yeah, it was just really not good. I honestly think they're probably just trying to hold on to the license more than anything else. Uh, you think that's where a lot of this franchising comes from? Like, whenever it's just like they want to hold on to the license? Yeah, like, I mean, I think, what what is this? Like, Dimension Films, like, will put out, like, every five years a Hellraiser movie just to hold on to the license. They don't actually do anything actively with it. Hmm. I think Blue Mouse, okay, this is... I guess kind of going off uh, topic a little bit. We do that a lot on here, by the way. But um, I think that Bloomhouse Productions wants to try and get a hold of Hellraiser. I am totally down with them doing it. I love Bloomhouse's movies. They've done great. Um, Insidious has been awesome. Like in terms of horror, like whether it's um, actual, like you know, paranormal horror, or it's you know, just insert other type of horror here. I mean. <laughs> They produced Get Out, you know, so let's just look at that. Um, you know, the Purge movies, are they great? No. 
Are they fun? Absolutely. And let's be real, that's a horror film. Um, you know, the, the second Ouija movie, good movie. The Insidious franchise, it's still kicking for a reason. You know, like, they are doing a good job with horror products and just making really entertaining horror films. I mean, they, they might not be great movies, but, like, you know, Sinister was a Bloomhouse movie, and that was terrifying. One that I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen. I've seen Insidious. I do agree with you there. It's just like that movie scared like scared the crap out of me. James Wan understands horror, like, and he oh, understands yeah. the genre so well. And he knows how to do it well too, because you have yeah. James Wan going from Saw, and then going on to Insidious and The Conjuring. And like you know, you, you want to talk about something really cool there. The Conjuring is a movie that really doesn't have any gore whatsoever, mm-hmm. but you know, Saw is what started the torture porn era. Yep, and that to me is still holds up today. I thought the first Saw was like really good. Oh, the first Saw in turn, like the first few Saw movies are honestly really good for me just because um, it's before they just started going completely, you know, overkill with the traps um, and all that stuff. But they also had like he did have a weird perverted moral argument too. He was like, you know, you're losing, you know, your grasp as to what makes people enjoy, like, relish having a life. And so we need to give you that spark for having a life back. And, you know, then you get to Saw 7, and I just kind of want to be a fly on the wall. We're like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. There's a ball going to roll down the track, (laughs) and then it's going to trigger a guillotine. But the guillotine's not going to cut him in half. It's going to cut a block of cheese, and that kinetic energy from the block of cheese is going to electrocute him. It's like, What? (laughs) Like, how does that happen? But it happens in the movie, and you're just like, okay. You know? What? The first ones, it was they were very simple. <laughs> they were believable. Um, and, I mean, in the first Saw movie, that was the best example of it, where the traps were literally two handsaws and chains. Like, it was literally just playing on their paranoia and their fear of being where they were. And, oh, geez, I think the one, as far as, like, the past victims that got to me was the one with all just, like, the barbed wire, like, razor wire oh, that that God, guy had yeah. to crawl through. And mm-hmm. he only had three hours. It's like, that's not fair. Like, you're not giving him enough time to be able to yeah. get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like when I first thought, I was like, three hours? Oh, you can do that. But then when I got older and I thought about it, I'm like, dude, you're going to get cut up so much that by the time you get out of there, you're going to bled to death. Or, you know, you're going to just wish you had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, Oh, someone commented in chat that uh, the carry in 2013 was a really good one. Doesn't deserve the hate it gets. Yeah, like, I'm not saying that it's a bad film. It's okay. Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, when you have a really good movie at the beginning, and then you remake it, like, the remake is kind of cursed because you have to make sure that the movie is better than the original. Yes. And if it's not, then people are going to malign it. And now it can be a good, it can be a really well-done movie in its own right. But if it's not better than the amazing original, then, you know, people aren't going to give it the time of day. And I thought Carrie was – it was a fine movie. I mean, it definitely did better with a couple of the characters um, than the original movie did with Sissy Spacek. Um, like, there are some characters that lived that shouldn't have died in the first movie because they didn't do anything wrong. But in this one, like, it just, there was a lot of it there that I was like, okay, this was fine. 
why did you remake it? Like, I don't, like, it was one of those movies where I didn't understand why it needed to be remade. Yeah, let's call it my philosophy, too. Unless you feel that you can do it better than the original, just don't bother. Or if the original was already, like, crap to begin with. Yeah. No, my biggest biggest, Mm -hmm. um, movie reviewing thing is, you know, if I see a movie and I can't, like, and I come out of it thinking, okay, why was that movie made? Then there's a big problem with the movie. That happened to me with The Nun. I saw that. I was really excited to go see it came out of it, hated it, and the biggest reason was because I saw it, and after the two hours of that film, I was just like, why was that film even made? Like, what was the purpose of that? Did it give us anything new? Did it, like, have a point? No. And that's the thing. Like, you know, the Carrie movie was that. It was a good movie, but it didn't have, it didn't feel like it had a purpose. And people are especially going to compare the prom scene, which is the most iconic in the 76 film, it's automatically going to draw um, comparisons yep. like in the 2013 yep. film. And did it, um, was the 2013 one better? Well, they're able to do more CGI stuff, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And it's like, but is the mm. impact of mm. that, the impact of that prom scene isn't going to be the same as it was with mm-hmm. the original. That's why none of the um, new psycho movies that had been made were able to capture on the fear of the first one. I mean, and look, I saw Psycho when I was maybe 10, right? Didn't scare me. I mean, it was, it's Psycho. Like, you know, at the time, it was a revolutionary, terrifying horror film. Now? Not really. I mean, it's not really terrifying. You watch it and you're just kind of like, you can appreciate it for the art that it is, but like, you know, the newer ones, the remakes of Psycho, you know, they can't top that initial wham of seeing you know seeing him throw open the shower curtain yeah. and stab her to death ah, ring, you know ring, ring. yeah exactly <laughs> like that's that original thing isn't going to be duplicated same thing with the prom night scene in uh carrie or same thing with the clown in poltergeist you know the og clown in poltergeist infinitely better than the uh, clown in the newer poltergeist yeah i i haven't seen the new poltergeist myself because uh, because yeah, I I just never wanted to. Sorry, Sam Rockwell. Like even you can't like entice me to go see a remake of that film. But yeah, yeah. Uh, someone's saying like some people complain because the original Carrie just uses her eyes versus Chloe's Carrie who used her hands. My thing is I didn't like the CGI they used in that scene. Yeah, no, no the, the CGI was really bleh. Like the, using your hands, using your eyes. Like I think that was cool the way that Sissy Spacek used her eyes because. It was literally just like this most piercing ice gaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, her eyes are like about look like they're about ready to like pop out of her head. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like she's piercing you with her yeah. eyes, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't say enough good things about that film, but uh, <laughs> I just I love it. But before I like make this entire episode just about that one film, let's kind of like move on to the kinds of films that we like and uh, sorry, the kinds of films that we hate actually in this subgenre now oh, you boy. mentioned that the nun that you went to see that you Terrible had really movie. high high expectations of it you hated it yep. are there any others where you're just like these are pieces of hot garbage why did they ever get made oh yeah um <laughs> oh what was that one movie on netflix the apostle like apparently it's well received i don't know why um it's basically the supernatural aspect of it is it's like um old Celtic Druidic legend and stuff like that. It deals with kind of like a uh, old school Jonestown-y type cult 
um, on a Welsh island. You know, deals with um, the separatist cult dealing, trying to separate from the British Empire. And it's just like, it's not good. Like, it's really just not good. It's kind of boring. <laughs> Um, the, 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 there's gore in it that's unnecessary. It's just, it's kind of tone, like tonally bad. Um, another, another movie that like, that's not good. It's not a good movie. Um, but I love it is the movie Ghost Ship. <gasps> oh my gosh. Like can... Ghost Ship is critically hated. I remember uh-huh. that movie came out when I was in middle school and it got a half a star in my, uh, local newspaper. Like, absolutely derided, right? I love that film. I mean, I'll watch it whenever it's on. It's great. It's a fun movie. It's on Netflix. Yep. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's so good. But, yeah, there are a lot of horror movies where, like, uh, CGI. CGI is the biggest Mm -hmm. downfall of paranormal horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the idea of having to scare someone with the ghost by showing you the ghost is the biggest you know, it, it's the biggest temptation that will just lead to that movie's that movie genre's downfall because you show the you show the ghost and you allow the audience to get some kind of um, you know perception as to what's threatening them. Well, there you go. You've lost all the fear. Yeah, yeah. I think I I've heard a lot about the curse of La how are you pronounce it La Llorona as being oh. just like really bad. And it's like, well, that seems like such a shame because I love. Movies that are based off of just like legends, just like the Weeping I Woman. I really want to see La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the the folklore of it. It's great. It fun fact. It actually ties into the Conjuring universe, um, which I didn't realize. How many movies does that universe have? My God, so many. <laughs> like, it, it ties in actually really well because apparently there's <laughs> like I think it's the psychiatrist that's in that movie or something. Okay, is in. Um, in, is in the Conjuring movies. I'm actually looking it up right now. Uh, no, it's Father Perez. And Father Perez, um, that character was also in the first Annabelle movie. I didn't like Annabelle. I'm sorry. Oh, I hate it. I hated the first <laughs> Annabelle movie. Like it's it's a thoroughly okay movie. Like it's fine. If you want to, if you watch that movie, you're not gonna come out of it thinking it's garbage. Like it's it's a thoroughly like if you want a movie that just checks all the boxes. That does it. Like, it, it's very much like a formulaic horror film. It's neither good, it's neither bad, but because it's in that context of the Conjuring franchise, it is bad because it just does the bare minimum. The second was actually pretty good. Yeah. I think just, like, the Conjuring-like universe is just going to, like, milk that Conjuring name for about as long as they can. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and it's going to work because <laughs> they keep making so much movie or so much money. Like, um, I'm looking at it right now. Um, as of today, actually, the Curse of La Llorona grossed $41 million in the U.S. and Canada and $45 million in other territories, making a total worldwide of $87 million. That's against a production budget of $9 million. It made nine times as much money as it took to make the movie. Like, Man. they're going to keep pumping these out because people are going to keep seeing them. Stop seeing them. No, I'm just kidding. It's like well, no, I mean, no, no, honestly, like, I love the Conjuring movies. I think they're great. I love the idea of making a movie based off of folklore because I'm a huge fan of J-horror, which does that exact thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't just go see a movie because, you know, like, we need to be more judicious into what movies we like because, you know, here, I have the other movie up. Uh, What is it? Hereditary. I'm kind of curious now. Hereditary was probably the best horror movie I've seen in decades. And that movie, total 
made worldwide less than $80 million. I didn't and, know that. And so that has made less money total than La Llorona did in, let me see, where was that on my, sorry, I have like a bunch of stuff up on my, uh, on my uh, browser. Uh, La Llorona came out nine days ago and has made more movie, more money than Hereditary did um, between now and January. Yeah, <laughs> Not I, even January, June of last year. Ah, oh, jeez. And that to me is like a crime because, okay, Side note, if you have not seen Hereditary, you need to see it. It is a fantastic film. It's not riddled with all these jump scares, which I think that's kind of like what gets people. Like, it's not even scary. Like, it doesn't have any jump scares or anything. It's like, yes. Mm, I don't know. There are a few decent jump scares in that movie. It's like, I guess I'm case hardened because I was just like, oh, well, okay. There's Wait, is, is Hereditary on Netflix now? I know it's on Amazon. I I don't remember like where I watched it, but I don't think it was on Netflix. There are a few parts that made me go, "Oh my god!" But it wasn't because like it was I was jump scares, but oh yeah, no my oh, favorite god. scene in thing of that film isn't really even any of the imagery or anything like that. It's with the soundtrack, mm. and the soundtrack they do a thing like if you go back and watch it, pay attention to the soundtrack during the calm moments, and you're gonna start realizing your heart is gonna be wanting to like you know, speed up and, you know, go thump, thump, thump a lot more because, and if you listen to the soundtrack, you'll realize it's actually subliminal because the soundtrack is doing a low percussive beat to mimic a speeding heart rate. That's, I kind of like noticed that, but I just, I didn't like really just make that connection because it's almost just like, okay, well, what's going to happen? But Tony Collette's performance was absolutely fabulous. And that little girl, that little girl, it's like, she'd freak me out. Oh, the the whole mood, like everyone in that film (laughs) did so well because, you know, one thing like movies like Hereditary and, um, oh, what is it? Uh, The Babadook do really well is they don't really like, yeah, it's about the, you know, the creature. So it's about the Babadook or in Hereditary. It's like about this underlying, you know, what is going on type thing. But beyond that, the real, like, the other horror that we don't really focus on is in Hereditary, it's this family coming to terms with grief. You know, the real horror is how when we are dealing with, when we as a people um, deal with an immense amount of grief, you can have a family unit that just latches out at each other for no other reason than the fact they cannot process the grief they're going to, they're going through. And the Babadook, yeah, you have this creature, the Babadook, that is terrifying. I mean, the Babadook as a creature, as a lore, is a terrifying entity. But the other part about it is that it does a really good job of showing the emotional terror that a single mother goes through. Yeah, and also just related to, like, how, like, she deals with grief and depression. It deals with those themes very well. It's just like, and... That, to me, like, um, horror that deals, like, any kind of horror, whether it's paranormal or whatever, that deals, this kind of, like, deals with underlying mm-hmm. themes that's set in re- almost, like, reality. Like, well, obviously, creatures. Like, are, like, I'm more talking about the themes. Just, like, I right. tend to connect with them a lot more because it's, like, something that you can understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest, like, one of the scariest things that, mm-hmm. you know, we as people deal with is our own emotions. Because, I mean, take anger, for example. You know, you can get mad because you mess up on something, and it's a very fleeting anger. Well, then watch someone who absolutely loses their control and just be, goes on a rage-fueled rampage. I mean, 
you know, you can have positive emotions where it's like you, you crack a smile or then, you know, you just have an amazing day and you're just beaming, you know, flying high. Like emotions, when they let loose, are themselves terrifying. Yeah, because of the unpredictability of them. Yep. Especially mm-hmm. like the angry kind of side of things. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. also where we are now, we pride ourselves on being rational and, you know, emotions by their very nature are irrational so when you have the irrational overtake the logical well that just overrides all of society right and it's just like in horror movies especially that's amplifying like man if someone gets angry you better watch out because it's usually yep. ends up being like the villain of the whole tale usually yeah pretty much yeah because i've never seen like a i've never seen like um a, a protagonist they we get afraid, but yep. they usually don't flip and go on a killing like spree. Unless, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, unless I'm, I can't think of any like movies like that though. <laughs> well, I can think of I can think of one um, that really does a good job of showing like where when the person finally just gives into their anger and they're the protagonist and you're cheering for them the whole movie, they come out at the end of it just like completely changed and you realize they become almost themselves the monster and a great example of that is the old movie um well actually the old one and the current the remake straw dogs i've seen that like straw dogs is one where you know here's a um a husband that has to protect his wife because they're being attacked by you know men who want to you know do terrible things to her from her town because they moved back to her town and so he has to basically fight them and it gets it gets brutal but then you see the emotional change of the main character, even though you're cheering for him, where he goes from being this guy who's trying to protect his family to almost being the monster himself because of the things he has to do to protect his to protect his uh, family in his home. And then at the end, you just kind of see this character who's like become, you know, completely like, oh, you know, like it's, he's a husk of his former self. Oh, okay. Another one that I'll have to watch. Like, you're recommending, like, some good stuff, like, on this podcast. Like, because I kind of want to get a little bit more into paranormal horror. I mean, I've got my favorites, mm-hmm. but I definitely, that's a subgenre I definitely want to delve into a lot more. Oh, I, I can recommend you so many. Like, modern day foreign paranormal horror is where it's at, in all honesty. That or the indie stuff. The mass produced things, they're fun. Like, Look, I still love The Conjuring. I'm going to go see the third Annabelle movie when that comes out. Annabelle Comes Home is what it's called. Like, I'm excited for it. But, like, I'll tell you, seeing anything that A24 puts out nowadays is amazing. Mm -hmm. Seeing movies like Veronica, which is a Spanish horror film that's on Netflix. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, It's a supernatural horror film. That movie was terrifying, you know? And it's a very low-budget indie horror film. And it's just, it's really just cool to see all these, like, all these entities that aren't big names in horror showing paranormal horror very well. Because honestly, I feel like if you have more money attached to a paranormal activity or a paranormal horror movie budget, you're actually probably going to have a better chance of doing wrong with it. Because the best part of really good paranormal horror, acti- par- I keep saying paranormal activity. <laughs> the worst, th- the best thing about like low budget paranormal horror films is when they can't do, like, CGI or all this, like, super complicated, cool, like, special effects. But it's, like, the simple thing, like, oh, here's a light effect. Or here's an effect of someone walking past distorted frosted glass to make them look like someone else. 
like just very simple effects will like less is more is really the best thing you can think of for a paranormal horror movie definitely i will agree with you there less is more and we kind of been talking a little bit about our favorites so now let's really delve into our favorites i kind of had you i i kind of had you i actually did have you go okay be thinking about what you mm-hmm. feel your top five favorite kinds of films are in this um topic and we could do it to where we just talk about our favorite five in one shot, or we can like trade off just like what we feel is like our number five and then just kind of go back and forth or. Um, do you want to just do like, we'll alternate, you know, we'll, we'll mention one like in no particular order. And then, you know, I'll say one, you can say one. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm kind of looking at my five favorites here. And okay. this is one that I'm, the first one I'm going to mention is, one that um it came out in 2005 it was just kind of just like you know a here and then it's gone but this really terrified me because one of my fears is not being able to really have control just like over yourself and it was uh, the skeleton key is the movie that i am talking Yo, that about was a, that was a fun movie <laughs> and it's just and i'm not gonna spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it it's got um a what is that actress's name goldie hans oh. daughter yeah, I was gonna say it's Goldie Hawn's daughter. It's Goldie Hawn's daughter. Oh no, uh, is it Kate oh, Hudson? It I think so. Yeah, I think it is. So yeah, Kate. Yeah, Kate, yeah, Hudson, Kate Hudson. Yeah, Kate Hudson. Basically, she plays the main caretaker, just like for those of you who don't know of, like this, I guess, this nurse caretaker type person to this like older lady, and shit ends up going down, and then it ended up it freaked me the hell out, and that's. One movie I'll need to watch again, but I remember when I first saw it, it made such a huge like impact. Oh on yeah, me. no, it, it was a movie that kind of went under the radar, but it was, and like it didn't get like this huge fanfare, but it was a it was a creepy movie, for sure. Now for me, for me, probably my let's see, the, the first one I mention I want to mention is definitely um, the Last Exorcism for sure. Um, that's a movie you have to watch because um, the idea of a priest going into, you know. A supposed demonic possession and just not believing that it's a thing because he'll like part of the mystique of the movie is like at the very beginning he's like showing the film crew that is with him like oh here are all the tricks I use to make people think they're possessed like all these different tricks like um one that they show almost at the very beginning of the movie is the girl puts um her feet in this tub of water and he slips in some kind of chemical I don't know what it what it is I think it could very well just be Alka-Seltzer, to be honest. That <laughs> causes the water to look like it's boiling. And he's like, that's the, dem- that's the devil. It's right there. And it gets them all freaked out. And he's like, see, I'm just, I'm just conning these people. Like, you know, you know, possession is a lie. And th- then it goes off the rails. But it's just such a well-done movie because it challenges us with our notions of, you know, like it basically takes skepticism and is like, hey, you're skeptical. But here's what happens when a skeptic is actually confronted by actual, you know, horror. The evil Alka-Seltzer. That's kind of like, that's <laughs> like what I think of whenever. Oh, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Like, all the different tricks he'll show in the movie. <laughs> and then it's like, wait. How did this just happen? Like, thing, when things start going off the rails in that film, his reaction is like, what? <laughs> like, it's just very funny. Like, seeing, like, how he can't come to grips with the fact that, like, oh, Maybe all these things I've been making up are actually real. Yeah, like, ooh, yeah. 
And yep. that's one one movie that I will definitely have to watch. Um, now, thinking of another one that is on my list, uh, actually, three movies that are based off of Stephen King things have made it like onto my list. And this, I mean, is, it's a good choice. Stephen yeah. King's a great author. Yep. And uh, this is one of them: the movie fourteen oh eight with John yes. Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, um, good movie. To me, uh, John Cusack has said like I am a huge Stephen King fan, and it definitely shows because I forget exactly, I forget whether 1408 was a short story or an or a novella. But it was, it, was, it was originally a short story as part of the book on writing because like he literally just used it as a way to show people this is how you proofread something, you know? Oh. And, like he's basically, this is how you proofread and edit something. And that's what 1408 started out as. But then he wrote it as an actual story and it was really good. It's, it's that man just has an imagination for days. That's all like oh, yeah. I have to say about that. But I just remember because at first I was going into it, going, "Oh, here we go, another story about like a haunted, like whatever." Mm -hmm. Like in this case, it was a haunted room in a hotel, and Samuel L. Jackson's like, "Well, no one like ever stays in 1408 because in 1408 you have like these terrible things happening, and just." I don't know, just like, this is just like, um, the way that the, this entity, like, dealt with, like, his greatest fears and, like, all the things oh, that yeah. he had, had to end up, like, working through. It's just like, and to me, he just sold this character, just like this broken man. Yep. And oh, yeah. That's why I love that movie so much. Oh, yeah. It's just, he's just a jaded character. Yep. And it's almost kind of like, um, like what I was just talking about with, um, the movie that I had just mentioned, Last Exorcism, you know, here's a guy, he, I mean, he goes in and in the very beginning of the movie, he has a book, a uh, book signing where he's like, look, man, I don't believe in ghosts. I, you know, if I saw one, that'd be great. And it's just like, man, you're writing books about ghosts and you don't believe in them. <laughs> you know, well, well, he believes. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Oopsies. Uh, share another one of your favorites. Um, so one of my favorite ones, huge favorite of mine is um, I'm actually going to have both of them together. The Grave Encounters series, the, the two of them. So I love both of those movies because um, they're really well done found footage movies in general. Like they just, they're, the biggest thing with found footage is that you have to be like, okay, why, like, can I believe that they're holding cameras here? And they do because Grave Encounters 1 is um, this, it's a basically kind of a weird spoof of, uh, like ghost adventures and ghost hunters and all that stuff. It's like they go to this insane asylum to film a show, and then you know, then the spookiness happens and ghosts happens and terror terrifying things happen. The second one is, you know, when they were like, "Hey, this this," I'll, you know how like in um, these movies, like they're found footage. They're like at the beginning, like this movie has been unedited. You know, like, this is a real thing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, the se the second one does goes really meta and is like, hey, you know that movie, Grave Encounters? Well, it's in the universe of the second movie as a horror film, you know? Oh. And and the guy's like, and it, this college student just gets obsessed with it and starts filming his own horror film going after seeing if Grave Encounters was real or not. And it is wild. Like, I mean, the way that it spoofs the trend of ghost hunting shows and actually makes it creepy and, like, in a really believable way. I mean, Go Grave Encounters 2, one of the funniest things for me is, like, all of them are college students. And they they behave like college students would behave 
in this situation. Yeah, there are th- there are times when it's like the character does something. I'm like, that's not how I would do that in real life because I'm not following a plot device. But like, for the most part, they'll believe they'll behave in ways that's just like, yo, they're just terrified college kids, and it's really cool. Like, it's a really good way of mocking ghost adventures and ghost hunters and shows like that but then also doing a pretty good horror film and the special effects in that movie for the ghosts are amazing because like they'll do like facial distortions in that for the ghosts that are just amazing i haven't seen like good like cgi special effects like that in horror movies for a while (laughs) oh grave encounters wow i'm hearing it's like a lot of like like I said, good. It makes me excited to like what I say because that's another one I haven't seen. So yeah, it's it's really good. You would like it. All right. So you mentioned, kind of mentioned like two movies together, I believe. So I'm just yeah. gonna go ahead and mention two that are. They're both Stephen King and two more Stephen King ones that are kind of like related. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're in the sense that he wrote them both. Um, one of them is of course The Shining. And yep. Good. And okay, that's the quintessential just like movie whenever people think of like creepy kind of like paranormal yep. stuff because you got Jack Nicholson who plays the writer. Uh, yep. Yeah, people just know that a lot. Stephen King writes a lot of stories where the writer is the central focus, so this is one of them. And mm-hmm. just like the haunted entity, like the haunted is like the hotel, like this evil, like benevolent is kind of like spirit like surrounding just like making him go insane and wanting to kill his wife and son and i don't know it's just like to me i think um jack nicholson is what sold that movie because oh yeah he does he shows in like he like that movie's a great work in portraying the idea of cabin fever you know and jack nicholson portrays that really well he does it's just like they start off okay, da 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 da, and then it's just like slips slowly into madness. And the yep. scene that really got to me the most in that movie was when um, Shelley Duvall's that character finds that sheet of paper in the typewriter that just says, I'll oh, work yeah, and no yeah. play makes Jack a dull boy. I'll work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Just like that would freak me out. Be like, okay, yep. I'm getting the hell on up out of this hotel. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, I, yeah, you see that scene, and it's just like, it's terrifying because, like, I mean, you got to, like, just put yourself in the mind of that character for a minute. Here you are. You've been at this hotel for, I mean, I want to say, like, a couple, a few months at this point, you know, and it's snowed in and everything like that. But the thing that's wild about that is that um, you're snowed in and he's writing and just typing away. So you think he's making good progress on that book. Then she looks at it and it's just all these different orders and misspellings and indentations and crazy formats of all work no play makes Jack a dull boy. And, like, you just got to imagine her character's like, he's been doing this for a month. Like, what? Like, could you ma- – like, I can't even imagine, like, how I would react. I'd just be like, oh, my God, he's absolutely lost it. Get the boy and we're hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the boy. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great – it's a very well-done movie. Yep. Uh, kind of related to that, the sequel to that is Doctor Sleep, which they're going to be making into a film as well. Um, I think Ill- okay. Ill- Ill McGregor plays the older Danny Torrance. Really? Yes. I didn't. I just looked this up. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea that this was even a thing. I am excited. Yay! So I yeah I I'm really excited like for that film too just to kind of see just like Danny like 
older and like how he's dealing with his stuff. And it's, I got halfway through the audiobook before I decided, you know what, I'm just going to get the book and read it. And I haven't like gotten it since, so I haven't read it. So I can't even really begin to tell you like what it's about. I'm just looking at who's in this movie. It's a really good cast. Oh, who like else? Ian McGregor, Ian McGregor and then uh, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood was uh, the president in uh, National Treasure 2, actually. He was also ca uh, Christopher Pike in uh, the Star Trek reboot, like the J.J. Abrams ones. Wow. So it's, a, it's a really interesting cast of characters. But like, I like it because it's just like I'm reading the synopsis, and it's just like, the film follows adult Danny Torrance with psychic powers he calls The Shining and dealing with alcoholism just like his father did. And I'm just like, yo, this is going to be great. Like, seeing how terrified he is, I'm. Mm, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. And then another one I'm also going to lump in since you mentioned two at once, so I'm going to mention, like, my two at once. We already talked about this film, just the reasons why I like it. Uh, Carrie mm -hmm. is yep. also on my list. Is like, one of my favorites. And also, I think what sold the movie um, for me besides Sissy Spacek is... Piper Laurie's performance as the crazy nut job the mother. Christian mother. Oh yeah. Uh, like I mean so good. And thinking like her child is like from like of the devil and of Satan and how she's pretty much thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. It's just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, it's great. Like it, that that movie that movie's just it's a classic. I mean it's a good reason that it is a classic, you know. It's just it's really cool. Yeah. Go see it if you haven't already, guys. I mean, seriously. I can't. Yeah, the, old, the old one is great. I can't recommend that enough. So now we are down to like our last movie. She's like on that list. So yeah, I'm it's, good. it's like our last two, I think. Okay. I'm going to go let you go ahead and share your last two just in succession. So my last two, I'm actually, one of them is going to just be a franchise. I love the Hellraiser movies. They have terrible, like, the uh, the the makeup on them is so just not great. It's very low budget. Let me put it that way. Um, but I love it because of the idea of two things that that movie plays with. One, the character concepts of the Cenobites is awesome. Like I love the the characters, like the look of the characters. Whether you have Pinhead, you know the uh, eponymous Cenobite leader. You know, you have him. You have Chatterer. Chatterer is, like, one of his lieutenants and has chattering teeth. He undergoes, like, character development because he gets eyes in the second one. You know? Um, then you have all these different forms of Cenobites that pop up. But the idea of their concept of hell being basically this idea of, um, you know, pain becoming so... Like, pain reaching such a threshold that it isn't pain anymore. It actually becomes pleasure. Like, the um, the theme of, like, um, BDSM that Clive Barker injected into both the book and those movies is so interesting because he really just taps into this idea of, you know, no one likes pain. None of us like being no. hurt. But, like, you know, tapping into pain as a method of punishment but then having to be pleasurable because the pain is that huge is just a really kind of interesting theme. And it's just a nice, it's like, an, it's a different, really cool way to show what hell would be like in a different imagery than just the typical, you know, Judeo-Christian portrayal of hell. But then my top one, my top favorite horror movie by far um, is The Ring. I love The Ring. Um, there are plenty of other movies that are great. Like, I, I had one up here that I was going to say, for it was called The Others with Nicole Kidman. 
remember that movie? Great movie. Yes. But The Ring for me holds a really good, um, just special spot in my heart um, because that movie traumatized me when I saw it. I was terrified to go into a room by myself, even if my parents were next door to me in, an, in the room right next door to me. I couldn't go into another room by myself for two months straight. That movie was terrifying. And then after I saw that, I saw the Japanese one, which is what The Ring was based on. And the fact that both of those movies play off of imagery that messes with their audiences in a very cool way, like a very just personal way, honestly, is what makes those really special to me. Because if you watch Ringu, which is the Japanese version, and then you watch The Ring, you'll notice that the images, depending on whether you're Western or you're Japanese, one of those movies, the tape is going to resonate with you more in a terrifying way. And it's going to be because of the images that we've been brought up to find creepy. And The Ring does that. You know, The Ring as a Westerner makes me, you know, creeped out. But if you're a Japanese person and you watch Ringu, oh my god, like the, the images that they have in there of different Shinto themes, of different, um, you know, horror themes, different, you know, natural horror themes. Like, it's really cool. Like, I really like how they were able to take the first movie, Ringu, and then just adapt it into um, another movie, The Ring, for the Western audiences. And what's really cool is that they actually had Hideo Nakata as the consultant for when they brought it over from Japan. And that's what started the whole J-horror fascination in the West was, you know, when The Ring first came out. Fun fact, The Ring 2, the American version, is is actually directed by Hideo Nakata himself. Oh, wow. I, I've never see, seen the second one. <clears throat> I've never it's, seen... It's okay. It's not as good as the first one, but it's really, really good. Yeah, and I've never seen uh, Ringu, which is something that I've been inter interested in. But I have seen the Americanized version of The Ring. Yeah. And I remember the most iconic moment... With Walmart's just like, holy shit, was when that girl crawled out of the television. Yep, yep, that was that is huge. Um, so actually, I see someone in chat saying, I want to see The Ring versus The Grudge now. That's <laughs> actually, so you know how like they, we did Freddy versus Jason here in the States? Uh-huh. So um, in Japan, The Ring and The Grudge movies actually got so big um, and just so hokey as time went on that they actually were like, okay, we got to just kill off these franchises and they're apparently going to start looking to remake them into a newer way that's less convoluted than they used to be um they actually called it sadako versus kayako which sadako is the girl from the ring and kayako is the dead mother who's the ghost the ghost woman in the grudge they actually fight each other because of this concept of trying to uh, these two characters try to um kill them both off it's really it's really kind of like the same level of fan service as Freddy versus Jason. It's really fun. It's not scary, but it's just, it's really just like a fun movie where you're like watching these two juggernauts duke it out against each other. I learned a lot of new things like on this podcast. That just seems just like really, you're right. It's kind of like hokey. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's fun. Like, I mean, did you, did you ever see Freddy versus Jason? Yeah. Yeah. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's a fun movie, yeah. but like, it's, it's not a great movie, but it's something no. that's fun. Same thing with this movie. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. It just seems like kind of laughable. Just like them, like seeing those like two, like entities for duking it out and going at it. Like, oh yeah. Like I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the poster right now and the poster is hilarious because um, the first part 
it says Sadako. The second part says Kayako. And the top part is the woman Sadako, or not Sadako, Kayako, um, crawling down the stairs from the attic. And then the bottom of the poster is a hand coming out of the well, which is Sadako. Jeez. That may be one I just have to look up just for the hell of it. Just like oh, a- yeah. It's, it's a fun movie. I highly recommend it. Yeah. He's recommending a lot of good stuff to me, guys, even without, like, really meaning to. <laughs> like, just like yeah, here. Apparently it's on Shudder if you have that streaming service. Yes, I do have Shudder. Yeah, oh. it is on Shudder. Okay, so then at least I know where to find it now. Okay, let me see. I've mentioned, I think I've already mentioned uh, four movies. So, okay, The Skeleton Key, 1408, The Shining, and Carrie. So, actually, this would be, like, my last one. Okay. And again, it's, like, another one that we've mentioned already on here. And um, Ghost Ship. Oh, God, that's such Go, a good movie. Ghost Ship. Yeah, people don't believe what the critics say, guys. And it is not... You may not consider it the best movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know. There's just something about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I like Gabriel Byrne like a lot. Who, yeah, he is in that, isn't he? Yes, he is. He was also in Hereditary. Kind of fun fact yep. there yeah, too. He, yeah, he is. So he yeah. ends up with movie. He ends up in a lot of movies that have like paranormal like stuff happening in it. But the most like iconic scene that people connect to that movie and where it just starts off the movie, the bang is the ship the the dancing scene on yep, the ship the very beginning the very beginning guys i'm not gonna spoil that scene for you if you have not seen that movie but the movie just starts off just pretty much just like this is a ghost ship and this is in your face and we're gonna make sure that it is in your face oh yeah uh, it's uh, it's uh, such a, like <laughs> like you said don't listen to the critics the thing that I don't like about film critics when it comes to horror movies is that – and actually with a lot of movies actually, film critics always tend to judge the movie as if it's just a good technical film. Like, it, you know, like is the script meaningful? Like it does it have a message? Is it, you know, technically a good film? Like does it have the aspects of filmmaking in a strong way? But they, what they always seem to forget is, is it a fun movie? Like, you know, is it just an enjoyable viewing experience? And Ghost Ship, if you watch it, is just such a hokey concept. It's like the CGI isn't that great. You know, the acting is not particularly amazing. But I'll tell you, it is a fun movie. Like, I saw that and I was just like, you know, I'm thoroughly entertained. It's a decent concept. It's, you know, the the story is kind of engaging. And it just keeps you, like, you watch it and you're like, you know, you'll come out and be like, you know, this is a fun film. Exactly, exactly, and the thing, the thing is just, I guess, with uh, critics of horror is, is, like, they either, like you said, they tend to look for just, like, is this film, like, a piece of art, and is it, like, you know, this, like, wonderfully, like, well-crafted story, and if it's not, it's just, like, garbage, 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 and it's just, like, yep. it's, like, come on, it's, like, I myself am my own critic. I will go and yeah. just make up my own mind about things. Yeah, like, I mean, for me, like, you know, it's kind of like, like how I just did with Ghost Ship, you know, where it's like, okay, is it a good movie from a technical and filmic standpoint? No, it's not. Is it a fun movie? Yeah, it is. It's a really enjoyable movie. But then it's like you go to see The Nun, right? And, you know, I saw that and I'm like, that movie was bad in every single which way. You know, like, you know, it wasn't entertaining. It wasn't that great of a movie, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's like you got to be able to acknowledge that a movie might not be a good piece of film art, 
But it could just be a fun film. Yeah, and that's why we go to the movies anyways. Just to have fun and forget about life for a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Why? Oh, someone's asking, like, why they hate the movie. Oh, Ghost Ship? I don't remember, like, the exact, like, uh, reasons why, but I know I remember hearing from some critics that they didn't like the CGI, that yeah. they thought the story was a little contrived, they didn't like the ending of the film, and they didn't Yeah, like... it, was just, it was just a fun movie. Oh, you know who else is in that movie? Carl Urban. Yep, Carl Urban. I was just like, I remember when I watched that on Netflix the other day, I was like, yo, he's in this? Man, <laughs> it must have been a slow day for him <laughs> that he took that movie. Because then it was, uh, what, like, he, shortly after that, uh, Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. Actually, he, I'm just looking at it right now. They came out the same year. Ooh, I remember one particular scene in that movie where they, he finds the food, like, with this other guy. And they're like, yep. wow, eat this. It's really good. And then, this, the spoiler alert, it's not really that good. Yeah, but like that's the thing. That's what I like about that movie is like it knows how to have fun. Cause him, like the two guys that discover the food, they're like the comic relief. You know, like they're just silly guys. Like they're one of the things that's funny about the movie is that whenever they have a decision to make, those two will always rock paper scissors over it. And it's just it's like really quirky, funny things like that. Where it's like, oh, we have a scary movie, but you know, we're gonna have fun with it. Yeah, I, I love people that know just how to have fun. It's pretty much with the films that they're yeah. making. And, yeah, some people are going, that's why I don't listen to critics anymore. I'll listen to mm -hmm. normal people who've watched it, or I don't listen to critics. I decide whether or not I like a movie by seeing the movie myself. I mean, yeah, I'm the exact same way. And even, let, let me go back to that one point about listening to other people. Even then... If those people's tastes don't really necessarily align with your own and you take their word yeah. and say, oh, I'll go see it. But then you sit there like, this is terrible. Why did I spend $10 to come see this? Yeah, no, exactly. Like you got you have to be very careful mm -hmm. with um, the critics that you listen to, because, again, you don't want to get into like an echo chamber where like you have this one critic that is just saying all these great things about movies that you were interested in. But like what you you need to also realize that some critics they'll have an agenda to it too. Mm -hmm. Like they'll go into a movie and want to paint that movie in a certain way when it might not be like that at all, you know? Right. It, it's agendas. Either they get sometimes, unfortunately in the business, sometimes they get paid to do a good review or they get paid to do a bad review. It happens in the video game industry too. So, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean like, and if you tell, like some movies, like you might have a critic that hates a movie, and if you listen to that critic, you might be like, oh, well, you know, this is a terrible film. But you could also just have a movie, like, it could be just an outlier opinion. And I've had that happen to me, where I actually, I saw Us, the new Jordan Peele movie. I didn't like it. I, I really didn't. I thought it was a bad horror film. Um, all the things that friends of mine said, that the thematic elements of it, the symb symbolism, and the um, the analogies in it, I didn't get any of that. Like, none of that communicated to me. It was just the one that's, you know, very simply telegraphed in the trailers and even in the movie, basically facing your doppelganger, like facing your other self. That's the only thing that came across to me. But as a horror film, I was bored. But I, I recognize that at the same time, you know, my opinion on that is valid, just like how some critics' opinions are valid. But, like, you can have a valid opinion, but also realize that you are in the vast minority of that film opinion. Right, and don't 
And just kind of like a PSA to people out there who want to try and make others feel bad for either liking something or not. Just yeah. don't. Just live and let live. If you didn't like it, fine. If you liked yeah. it, fine. Just don't make other people feel like crap about it. Because I see I've been seeing that like way too much lately and I'm, it's kinda like really irritating me. Oh, my my biggest problem is when people um intentionally go out of the way to dislike something mm -hmm. you know and like that like that is like you go into it with the intention of hating it you're you're not gonna you know give it give it a free chance for me like for example just to go back to us like us was a movie that i went into wanting it to be great i was really hyped for it and i came out really disappointed because i didn't like it you know and to me that's even that like that's how it should be where you go into a movie wanting to like it or, you know, yeah, wanting to like it and you, you it's not like you don't like it because that's basically giving it a completely fair shake. Or, you know, if you go into a movie hating it or wanting to hate it, but then you come out liking it, that's also great because that shows that that movie is doing something, like at least for you personally, is um, you're giving it a fair shake basically. Yeah. Like you're not letting your bias uh, inform your – final uh, opinion on it yeah not related to horror like kind of like the most like recent film in memory that kind of goes off the things that you described as the first since you know uh, adventures in game came out it's kind of a lot like on this vein but the first iron man i remember like going into that because i'd seen like so many ads on tv for it just basically like every five seconds there's another ad and i was just like that's it i'm sick of this i already like don't like it i don't want to see it I came out of it and didn't end up really liking it. It's like, okay, kudos to you. But yeah. like, the, that was that was the same way with uh, yeah. Batman Begins. Actually, like just going off that similar idea when that came out. I mean, I was a kid and I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired about superhero movies. <laughs> like, you know, like you know, like Batman's kind of meh. <laughs> and then I ended up seeing The Dark Knight and went back to see Batman Begins. I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, uh, kind of along, along the, the line of Batman. Um, I'm a little bit tired of Batman, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, it looks like someone typed something about in-game. Like, yep, I'm going to have those things, like, up, like, at least, like, through the weekend. Just Oh, so am I. So, like, just so that way nobody spoils it for people in chat who haven't seen it. I've seen it, so you're not spoiling it for me. But just to kind of keep it, no, like, or zero. It's okay. It's okay. It's just something that I had to, like, try and, like, stop the trolls. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're getting down to the wind down phase mm -hmm. of things. So let's kind of end on a question that I've been thinking a lot about and about paranormal films. And why do you <coughs> think that people or do you feel that paranormal Will paranormal films will still have a place beyond 2019, or do you think that eventually uh, paranormal films will die out completely, never to be heard of again? No, I, I mean, again, like the fascination with the paranormal has been around since basically the dawn of man. You know, like I mean, the idea of paranormal being things that we can't perceive and as like a rationalization for what happens after death. Like because of that, I don't see it ever dying out. The thing for me is that, like, horror as a genre, especially when it comes to film, operates in cycles. Like, if you um, 
look at it, we had the 80s, you know, the, the 70s and 80s with the slasher genre. And then that kind of died out in the 90s. And that came back. And, you know, like we had a decent amount of slasher movies came out that came out that were, you know, pretty good. And, you know, and even on the indie scene, on the indie scene, that's where a lot of the slasher movies are coming from. Um, I think the idea of a paranormal movie being a demon movie, like an exorcism movie, I think we're going to take a break. Like we're going to see a break from exorcism movies. Like there will be demon movies. Um, You know, The Witch, Hereditary are demon movies in a very different way. And I think that's good. Um, We're going to have paranormal movies like Veronica. Again, another demon movie. But like it's done in a really just good way like i mean i don't like i don't have a better adjective than that it's just like we're going to have these um paranormal movies that keep existing because you know they're finding new and creative ways to deal with them and you're actually seeing with the exception of things like conjuring where james wan is just going bank uh, gangbusters with that whole franchise yeah. um paranormal or the whole conjuring franchise is i would say the outlier here because paranormal movies are actually more low budget than they ever used to be. Um, a very good movie that I would recommend you see is The Ritual. It's on Netflix. It's um, a <laughs> calling it a paranormal movie is actually kind of interesting because it doesn't have, have anything to do with ghosts. It's um, it's about four friends from England who go hiking in Norway, and they run into um, some Norse horror spirits. Like, no, Norse Forest Spirits. And it's, it's a creepy movie. It's, like, genuinely a scary film. It's, like, Blair Witch Project, but not silly. Oh, okay. Well, it's got ghosts, so it'd still be paranormal, because it falls yeah, in exactly. that vein. Yeah, no, it's it's very fascinating. And um, the biggest thing about that movie isn't even the ghost. It's the idea of um, the main character's guilt. And it's, like, stuff like that where you start seeing... Okay more emotional symbolism behind the ghost. Like we mentioned with the Babadook, where it's, um, yeah, it's about the Babadook, but it's also about the pains of being a single mother. Hereditary is about, you know, creepy goings-on, but it's also about what happens when grief strikes a family in different ways. This is a movie about, you know, Norse forest demons, spirits, I don't know what you want to call it, (laughs) uh, forest entities, but it's also a movie about how a, a guy comes to terms with his guilt because... You know, this happens in the, like, literally it's in the synopsis. Um, in the first five minutes, like, one of um, the friends dies in a freak accident that was caused because the guy wanted to go into a liquor store. Oh. You know, and it's his guilt because he can't let go of the feeling that maybe if he didn't go into that liquor store, his friend would still be alive. And so what we're seeing more so in 2019 and I think in the near future is that paranormal movies – um, they're going to do two things, and this is why they're going to survive for the foreseeable future. One, they're touching on the intangible. Um, we honestly, I think we've been so saturated by slasher movies that paranormal movies are something that we can't touch. And because we can't touch it, we can't kill it. And so that's going to you know, just scare people in our desensitized world. But then also, in combination with that, we're seeing paranormal activities or paranormal movies. <laughs> you know, I did it again. Paranormal movies tap into more of the emotional feelings of people and how um, the ghosts or the spirits or the demons are really just more symbol- symbolic manifestations of our guilt, our shame, um, our pain. You know, 
things like that. And, you know, especially now when I read this the other day um, in on the news, apparently uh, fear, anger, and sadness um, are the top three emotions that people are recorded as having um, by Gallup. You know, you have those strong negative emotions growing and hitting record levels um, according to wow. the world population. You're going to have the emotional symbolism and representation of those negative emotions being utilized to much stronger ways in horror films. And that's what the paranormal allows you to do because by having it be a almost, you know, imageless creation, like, you know, the entity might not even show up in the whole movie. The only way that it does show up is in the character's emotion. And that I think is a very good point because sometimes emotions are yeah are i consider them entities within themselves they come from this place that sometimes even we can't understand like i don't know everybody's had those moments like where we're sad or we're like mm -hmm. angry or irritated for like no particular reason and you're just like well where the hell did this come from so i agree with you i think of horror movies sorry paranormal horror exactly could kind of stick to this vein instead of just being like ooh, here's this exorcism ooh, here's this haunted house i think yep. that it will kind of draw me more back into the paranormal genre yeah. things a lot more. Yep, agreed. Yep. Uh, oh, someone had mentioned, I think it needs, no pun intended, the paranormal genre. It needs to die for a while. Then it can resurrect <laughs> later, and it can be fresh again. <laughs> I, don't, see, I don't know. I think, honestly, like we're getting into a new form of it. Um, I do agree that the old guard of paranormal movies, such as exorcism movies... Um, need to take a break for a while. Yeah. I'm tired of seeing, you know, the Catholic priest pop in, you know, do the Roman rituals, and then <laughs> the demon's gone. Um, I'm really loving these movies where demons are moving out of their Judeo-Christian interpretations, but into their original pagan uh, yes. representations. And it's becoming much more of just natural spiritualism, not a religious twist on it. And that's really cool to me. Yeah, like, so, like in Hereditary. Uh, in Hereditary, exactly. Yeah, like that's the perfect example of that. <laughs> that's the most recent like example that comes to definitely. Or like, I mean, even The Witch. The Witch is a yeah, great example yeah. of just natural uh, spirituality. Yeah, that's that's a movie, guys, that you need to see. I know some people, another like recommendation, I know some people, their main problems were well, I don't understand, like, what, like, what they're saying, like, da-da, even though the director is, like, he actually used sources, like, from that time, and, like, how people... Subtitles do, exist, guys. Yeah, subtitles <laughs> do exist, and he actually used sources from that time and how people talked, and I was just, like, that era's always fascinated me. I've never had any trouble just really, like, with understanding, like, even the writings from that period, but then also, I think where I kind of had a leg up was I was in a production of The Crucible in high school. Which kind of yep. like dealt like with those themes as well. Uh, the Crucible, better as a play, the movie was kind of so-so. Hmm. Yeah. But at least like Dana Day-Lewis, I'm sorry you can't even say that film. But <laughs> yeah. But yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. People are yeah tired of haunted house movies. Yes. Haunted yep. houses, exorcisms. Let's let them like let's set them aside and let's have those likely so more naturalistic takes on like. Um, or, or if you're doing a haunted house movie, do it in a different way. Um, that's why I really like Ghost Adventures, or not Ghost Adventures, uh, Grave Encounters. Because Grave Encounters mocks Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters to do a haunted house movie. 
um, Ghost Adventure or Grave Encounters 2, then um, basically goes super meta and is like, hey, Grave Encounters is a movie in the universe of Grave Encounters 2. And that's just really cool. But then there's another movie called the, it's either the Last Shift or The Late Shift. And it's a haunted house movie that takes place in a soon-to-be-abandoned police station. Mm. And the character is a um, policewoman who, she's a rookie, and her task is, her um, duty is that she has to be stationed in this police station, you know, waiting for people to pick up some of the uh, bio, like the biohazardous um, evidence that's still kept in that police station. And so she's just keeping basically night watch there. And then ghost things start happening. And that's a haunted house movie because of the nature of, you know, the police station being the haunted house. How many movies have we had where a police station is a haunted house? They don't happen. So it's such a new take on it that it's actually refreshing. But going to the whole idea of a dilapidated house. Yeah, no, I will say that's a tired trope right now. I heard of The Last Shift, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, because that's another one that I've been wanting to watch. And also another movie in uh, recent memory that I saw that um, kind of like it, it was a new take on things, at least for me. I didn't care too much for the ending, but uh, the movie Oculus. I think that came out in 2013. That was a fun movie. Yeah. I dug that. <laughs> and because, yes, it was still a house, and in a sense it was haunted, but it wasn't like by any, like, you know, the ghosts in the house that had to do with this cursed object, the yep. mirror. So, so I'm looking at, um, on, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Wikipedia right now, <laughs> at, at the last shift, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it has, out of five reviews, a critic score of 100%. But that's still out of five reviews. Right. So out of the audience, which is 1,000, it's a 50%. It's a good movie. It's not, it's not 100% rating. It shouldn't be 100% rating. It's a good solid 70 to 80%. Okay. So, a uh, fun kind of take on, a decent take on things. Yeah, it's a, it's a good haunted house movie. All right. You may, uh, it's one that I've kind of wanted to see anyway because of like the whole setting of it being a police station that kind of like intrigued me. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool because it's, it's often in bright light. Like it's bright fluorescent light for most of the movie. And yet all these really creepy things are happening. Yeah, you're not safe even in the light. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be lights out. That was a terrible film. No. <laughs> Did you like that one? Yeah, I was kind of wanting to see that, but you know, I destroyed all it, my enthusiasm. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's so it's it's a good it's a movie that is fun. Like it's it's a fun movie. It was kind of ruined to me by the audience I saw it in because literally oh. the entire theater was cracking up during it. Uh, and we were making we were making jokes throughout the movie. Like me and the random dude next to me were cracking up. But like its basic premise is good. Like it's definitely got a lot of good creepy moments to it. But um I definitely do think they should have just kept it as the short film that it was based off of. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, a supposedly scary movie would be ruined um too if everybody was just like laughing and making jokes. Oh yeah. I mean that that was one of the problems for me when I saw us was um, a lot of the people in the theater were cracking up at certain parts, and I'm just like, well, now I can't find it, anything but funny either. Well, who knows? Maybe that's kind of like re part of the reason why you didn't really like it. Possible. It's very possible. Yeah, since it's kind of like draws parallels to like Lights Out, you said that the audience kind of ruined it for you. Who knows? 
Maybe you would have had, like, a different take on it, like, say, if you just waited and, like, watched it on Netflix or something. Possible, yeah. yeah. That's that's very, very true. Yeah, we will never know, guys. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But now to officially wrap things up, this is the part where you get to tell people where they can find you on social media, on Twitch, uh, when your next Twitch stream is, and what you will be playing next. So um, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Nikki D. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Nikki D with the number one at the end of it because people are jerks mm. and won't give me that handle. Um, and my next uh, Twitch stream is on Monday, actually, because I'm doing uh, fundraising for St. Jude. So my normal schedule is Tuesday through Saturday. I've decided to add Mondays on there as well. So the entirety of May will be Monday through Saturday, raising money for St. Jude, um, doing because it's St. Jude, um, usually I'll do a lot of M-rated games like The Division 2 or a lot of horror games or, you know, other M-rated games like Mortal Kombat 11 I just beat. Um, I'm actually taking it down to T-rated games to make it slightly more family-friendly and or at least less mature-rated. So um, I want to do some horror games during St. Jude, but I need to find some good teen-rated horror games that I can do because right now a lot of them are M-rated, which, you know, not surprising. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it is horror. Good luck with that. <laughs> I will. I, uh, thank you. I mean, I'm sure I can find some because, you know, if you get if you get good parent... Here's the other thing. Slasher movies are always going to be bloody and gory. You know, they will always be rated R. You can have a really good paranormal horror movie like The Ring or The Grudge. They'll both be rated PG-13. I didn't even think about the fact that The Ring was PG-13. Yeah, you don't need... Um, I... I don't know, actually, was Paranormal Activity rated R? I think it was. I, I think it was too, but I'm not entirely sure. I wanted to check that before um, I say it was. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can find that. Rated. That is, yeah, it was rated R. Okay. Okay, that's what I thought. I, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I thought, oh... That's that's probably a foreign rating system. So 14A. I don't know if 14A is. I know it's foreign, though. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and with that, we have finally come to the end of this episode where I think we went on for, like, about two hours. Like from the about last that, episode. yeah. Yeah. See, you see what happens, guys? Whenever you just get two people on who <laughs> like horror, we just, we gab. We gab a yeah, lot. Yeah, we just talk all the time. Yes. And so, once again, Nikki D, thank you for coming on again. Apparently, you didn't get tired of me the first time. You decided, <laughs> like, you wanted, like, more of listening to my voice and my rambling. But thank you so much for coming on and talking more horror with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always it's always fun joining this podcast because it's just really, like you said, talking about horror is just really fun because... Horror is something that is so personal to different people. Like, there might be very much a similar theme in the movie, but, like, that theme can touch someone differently than it touches someone else. So, you know, being able to talk about why one movie was scary for you, but it was scary to me for a different reason. I mean, that's always just something that's fun to talk about. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave people with? Um, My biggest one is don't watch as much um mainstream horror like main uh big budget horror movies try to watch more independent horror films even if they seem hokey 
because some of the best in, best horror films that we've had recently are independent horror. It Follows is was a sleeper hit for me. I had no idea it existed. I thought it was a hokey concept. I watched it and I was creeped out the whole time. Um, you know, some of my favorite, like there's, I think there's one now it's called Thriller or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's literally about this weird clown. It's not like Pennywise, but it's just this weird, you know, slasher clown. It's a really hokey, really just, you know, silly concept, but it works. And, you know, that's all independent horror films. Um, big budget horror films right now, The Conjuring. Like literally just check that off the box. <laughs> the Conjuring is the only big budget horror franchise right now. And, you know, it's going to take more people seeing independent horror films to dethrone that and allow these other horror films to exist. I think the only big budget horror film franchise, I'm not even really franchise, is Bloomhouse. Like, Bloomhouse is mm-hmm. doing amazing work bringing these really cool and creative concepts to horror films to the mainstream horror market. And they might not all do well. Truth or Dare did terribly. And Truth or Dare was, they were pimping that out constantly mm-hmm. as Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare. But Bloomhouse put out Sinister. Bloomhouse put out um, the Purge movies. It put out um, the Unfriended movies. And those were all really fun horror films. So, you know, we need to keep pushing independent horror as opposed to constantly just going to see the next iteration of The Conjuring. Oh, there we go, guys. Nikki D's last and final words. See more independent horror films. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And play more independent horror games. Absolutely. There's a lot of good um, hidden gems out there in both the hor- on both the horror like movie side and video game side. Yep. All right. Well, once again, thank you for coming on. You take care and good luck with your fundraising for St. Jude. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on here. Yeah. Have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.